for nearly two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with Your Financial Editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and also uh, as a podcast. Just go to Apple Podcasts and you can look up the Your Financial Editor program and uh, listen to uh, past editions. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope your weekend's off to a great start and things are going well for you and your family as we all get ready for uh, Thanksgiving coming up here uh, right around the corner. Nice program laid out for you today. Some deal activity, some top stories, some good economic uh, news, um, well, and some bad. Uh, but we've got all of that coming uh, your way. Also, Mr. Hans von Spankowski, uh, he's a senior legal fellow and manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative. Uh, he's been informed in the election process for three decades. He served on a presidential advisory commission on election integrity and is a former commissioner on the Federal Election Commission. Um, he also was at the Department of Justice and actually just uh, he's written extensively on the issue of uh, voter integrity and election integrity and actually just put out a really good book uh, he co-authored called Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Um, so we're going to be talking about uh, in detail what happened during the last election and uh, what type of real impact did it make on our country, the entire country. So all that coming up in just a little bit with Hans. So stay tuned for that. I think you're going to uh, really enjoy as well as learn some interesting uh, issues uh, that transpired during the last election. Talked about some deals. Uh, Burger King, Popeye's, and Tim Horton's Parent Restaurant Brands International is the name of the company that owns them. Restaurant Brands International is going to add firehouse subs to their portfolio. It was announced this week it's going to be an all-cash deal for $1 billion. Restaurant Brands International said in a statement on Monday that the transaction will offer significant long-term unit growth potential to drive attractive returns for all stakeholders. So, uh, again, uh, Restaurant Brands International went on to say that they see tremendous potential to accelerate U.S. and international growth at Firehouse Subs. Uh, because of the development expertise the company has, the global franchise network, and also their digital capabilities. Just a great story here. Firehouse Subs was founded in Jacksonville, Florida, back in 1994 by uh, the brothers and former firefighters Chris and Robin Sorensen. Uh, they're frequently rated the number one brand in quick service restaurants, uh, that sandwich category for food quality. And they've had one of the strongest brand love ratings in its category also. And on top of that, these two guys just didn't uh, build a great business. They, uh, the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation has granted over $62 million to public safety organizations across 49 states, Puerto Rico, and Canada. This is, again, capitalism at its best. What a great story. Congratulations to the Sorison brothers 
for building uh, a great brand and also for making a lot of money. Uh, That's just a wonderful American uh, story for sure. We also saw this week that President Trump's family hotel company has reached an agreement to sell the rights to its glittering Washington, D.C. hotel for about $375 million. So it's a company called CGI Merchant Group. Uh, They're based in Miami. And they're in contract to acquire the hotel lease for the Trump International Hotel, which is, of course, located a short walk down Pennsylvania Avenue from the White House. Uh, CGI intends to remove the, the Trump name, and they've reached a deal with Hilton Worldwide to have property branded and managed by Hilton's Waldorf Astoria Group. So no big surprise there that they're going to take the uh, Trump name off of the hotel and align it with the Waldorf Astoria. Um, In converting the property to a Waldorf, the new owners will be aiming to really sever the property from its politicized past. And we know that just, you know, uh, President Trump was a darling to the left for decades and decades They loved him. And then, of course, when he put an R behind his name, excuse me, and started saying how much he loved the country and what a a, a poor direction we were going in, they they, they put him in the doghouse. So uh, it's no surprise, like I said, for these new owners to be changing things up and try to um, distance themselves from the, uh, uh, the Trump name. So, you know, this is I mean, when President Trump's family got this uh, this hotel, um, I mean, they beat out big names. They beat out Marriott Hilton and others uh, with deeper pockets. And they did a phenomenal job on uh, remodeling the building. And it's just it's beautiful. So, again, President Trump, he loves this country so much, as does his family that billions of net worth were lost. And their message has never changed. So, you know, I always say this is so backwards because you have all these uh, these swamp politicians that go into politics and stay into politics to make money and, to you know, just to garner more power. Uh, whereas here... President Trump went into politics to lose money, lose billions. And like I said, he hasn't changed uh, his narrative. So, I mean, I, I, I think that's just a great story to tell. I know the swamp, you know, folks don't want to hear that inside the uh, beltway, even though they know it in their heart. But uh, it's just a fact. Uh, MSNBC's Stephanie Rule argued uh, that Americans have to put the high inflation rate and the rising costs that you're paying for food and, ed- and, and energy and every other everyday item in perspective. So that's what Stephanie Rule was telling you to do, folks. Just put it into perspective. So we know that the consumer price index was up 6.2% year over year in October. That was according to the Labor Department. That's the largest annual gain since November of 1990. 1990. But the soaring costs, Rule said, were expected after the virus before she told the anchor that Americans, on average, can actually afford the higher prices. 
She said the dirty little secret here, while nobody likes to pay more on average, we have the money to do so, she said. So this just supports, again, this elitist. I live in a bubble. I don't put gas in my own car. I don't do my own shopping. And you guys should just deal with it. It's not a big deal. This is very similar to Biden's chief of staff uh, claim supporting inflation is a high class problem. No, it's higher gas prices. It's higher food prices. It's higher fill in the blank prices. But, you know, anyway, back to uh, rule, Stephanie rule, her and her husband are Wall Street elitist. After Wall Street, Miss rule moved on to NBC and Bloomberg. They live in Manhattan. They're worth millions. They're out of touch. But you know what, folks? You need to put inflation in perspective because you're obviously not looking at it right, according to her and uh, the people at the uh, fancy cocktail parties and museum events that they go to. U.S. price inflation will remain high until the virus is officially over, said Deputy Treasury Secretary Wally Adimo. So now inflation's not going to be over until the virus is officially over, which we know that's not going to probably ever happen. There's a reason that they call it a novel virus. I mean, we're at COVID-19. So obviously we have, so this is just so ridiculous. By the way, this Wally Adimo looks like he's 12 standing at a podium as a deputy treasury secretary speaking in an interview with CNBC. And he said that, look, Biden has tackled many issues, but he did concede that there's more work that needs to be done. So despite consumer prices hitting that highest level in 31 years, this guy said that uh, many of the gains achieved by the uh, Biden administration, you know, should be put into perspective. So in other words, don't pay attention to inflation, which is impossible, unless you're rich. You know, if you're rich, it's not a big deal. You don't care. But if you're fixed income or you're not making a whole lot of money or you're a single mom, it is an extremely big deal. This is immediate. This isn't some stupid spending bill that's going to grab you with taxes down the road or monitor your bank account or whatever. I mean, this is immediate. This is everyday people travel and eat and buy things. So, you know, back in March, the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen also on MSNBC, you can see this pattern. They're always on MSNBC, NBC, CNBC, Bloomberg, etc., because they're never challenged. And if they are, it's a soft challenge and there's not a follow-up. So, uh, like I said, you've got this guy standing at the podium. And I'm serious. You take a look at him. He looks like a deer in the headlights. You wonder how he got there. Then also, I thought, really interesting this week, Paul Krugman. Now, he's a Nobel Prize winning economist, and he's also a New York Times columnist. Um, And, you know, he actually had to concede that his prediction that the inflationary wave that's now just flat out battering American households was going to be benign. 
And he admitted, look, I'm wrong. I didn't see this current surge coming. Uh, Although he's standing by the transitory thing, which just that blows your mind right there. So back in in spring, he's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about inflation. Don't worry about it. It's not going to have any impact. It's transitory. Well, we've got months and months and months behind us of increasing inflation. That's not transitory. That's not temporary. Hey, if you're going to hang around for two or three weeks, okay, I get it. You're in transition. That's no big deal. Months and months and months, it makes no sense. Look the word up in the dictionary, transitory. It's temporary. And obviously, that's not what we're dealing with. So this guy is a rent an economist for Democrats and progressives. Um, and, and again, I'll, I've said this many times. It's another reason to question the Nobel Prize winners, because a lot of them that get it, I don't really think they deserve it. That's for dang sure. Um, and you also know, you can note that all the ones that do get it have a lot in common as to what they support and who they support. So, and here's something that was really terrible. Um, Biden's nominee to be the controller of the currency, Sole Omarova, she just got battered by the Senate Banking Committee this week, both Democrats and Republicans, and deservingly so. You know, she's got these positions about Energy companies in the United States need to be bankrupted. She wants federal authority for some banking instead of the banking system that we have now. So a good example, both sides of the aisle in the Senate Banking Committee, both of the United States senators from the state of Montana, John Tester, who's a Democrat, along with Steve Daines, who's a Republican, one of each for that state, were saying, uh, can you clarify these comments about wanting companies to go bankrupt? You know what goes along with bankruptcy, right? Loss of jobs, families get torn apart, maybe you lose your house. And that, that job in that industry, how many other jobs does it impact? What about the barber and the cafe and the hardware store? You fill fill in the blanks. And she wants this to happen. So she tried to walk those comments back. And, uh, well, it didn't go very well because neither one of those United States senators believed her. They just didn't believe her. But she said the way we basically get rid of these carbon financers is we starve them out of their source of capital. She actually had to say, I'm not a communist. What does that tell you? If you have to come out and say that, why do they say she's a communist? Well, Senator Pat uh, Tomey from Pennsylvania asked Armorova to provide a copy of her thesis What was it titled? Karl Marx's Economic Analysis and the Theory of Revolution in the Capital. You don't, I'm telling you, man, I can get a second grader jazzed up on this whole subject with this lady and they'd be able to figure out her her stripes really, really quick. 
This is not, you know, you don't have to have a big brain trust for this. By the way, after Tomey asked her to provide the copy of that thesis titled Karl Marx's Economic Analysis and the Theory of Revolution in the Capital, well, she hasn't complied with that report or with that request. She's saying she can't locate it. Isn't that convenient? Scary stuff, man. I'm telling you, we really have to pay attention to what's going on out there um, because uh, there's a lot of it that's really, really bad for this great country. And we've seen it. And unfortunately, they're trying to do more of it. Uh, The latest uh, white paper we have for you, inflation in your retirement. Are you prepared for rising cost? Uh, It's a pretty easy and quick read for you. But it's also got good information. It's educational. It's informative. Um, and it's, it's a great question right now. It's so timely. I mean, we always talk about inflation when we do financial planning for people. Because if you don't, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because we know what costs a dollar today is going to cost a lot more down the road. And when you look at retirements, 20, 30, 40 years, you're talking about a sizable increase in your cost of living. That's with normal inflation, not this 30-year high stuff we're seeing right now. So go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's a complimentary report for you. You just tap on the, um, the, the tab there, and it downloads immediately to your email. Inflation in your retirement, are you prepared for rising costs? And when we come back, uh, we'll be talking about some economic data, so stay tuned for that. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast and look up the Your Financial Editor program. Um, You can find the uh, latest editions there, including the uh, great conversation we had last week with uh, my guest, Dr. Ben Carson, who uh, joined us here on the program um, as we celebrated our 24-year anniversary. What a great guy, just all, all around. Um, phenomenal for sure. Uh, so something that we got this week uh, that I didn't mention, uh, I just remembered, um, quite a few retail earnings came our way and they were big names too. Uh, Walmart reported another quarter of higher sales. Some of their uh, prices uh, were uh, increasing, of course, for various products. Um, no surprise there because of inflation. These companies have to make a decision. Can they eat the cost or do they have to pass it on to you? Um, so um, we saw that. We also saw as sales were up 9.2% in the quarter compared to the same quarter a year ago um, that a lot of people started their Christmas shopping early. So they're worried about all of these backlogs and all of the uh, supply chain 
disruptions and problems that we're having. So uh, that is another reason that we saw some of these big names like Walmart and Target, uh, Home Depot and Lowe's, also two other huge names in the home improvement sector. Um, They were just Home Depot, for example, they were just blown away what Wall Street was expecting. They had uh, really outstanding results in the third quarter and they made a lot of money. It looks like these do-it-yourselfers, that's not going to end. That's not their expectation. You know, everybody said it's just because of the virus. People, since they're not going on vacation, they're making uh, choices to improve their um, homes. But uh, these executives at these big uh, retailers say that's not the case. You know, um, we talk a lot about inflation. U.S. consumer sentiment, according to the University of Michigan's latest number, plunged to a decade low in November. So it it fell um, all the way to 66.8 in November, down about 7% from October's final reading. So, um, you know, this is something, again, people are really worried about inflation. And these idiots that are in charge are acting like it's not a big deal. And even more so telling you, blatantly lying to you, that um, spending more money right now is not going to increase inflation even more. But uh, we know that that's just not the, that's not true. It's not the case. We saw retail sales were up. 1.7% in October. Again, people were starting early with the uh, Christmas shopping. Um, That's very, very uh, obvious, very apparent. So, um, you know, that's something that we're keeping a close eye on. Uh, We also saw that 268,000 people applied for initial jobless claims last week. 268,000. That was higher than the 260,000 that was expected by analysts. Um, And the previous week's number was revised higher by 2,000 more than what they originally told us. Um, This is not good. Still, you know, before the virus, we were at about 210,000, 220,000. Supposedly everything's better in the job market. It's it's cranking. We're still at 268,000, and we have 10.4 million job openings. Something's not right. It's just not right. So um, when they tell you certain things about the economy and about how uh, America is humming along, number one, you see it in the polls. I'll say it again. I've said it for decades. I'm not a poll person. I think it depends on who you ask and how you ask them. But every daggone poll out there is consistent. People are feeling pain from inflation or due to inflation. They're worried about the border. They're worried about record number of overdoses. They're worried about crime. They're worried about. America's debt and how it's getting piled on more and more. All these polls tell us the same thing. Be different. You know, you can always cherry pick and say, okay, I'm going to go with this poll, ABC or CBS or the Wall Street Journal or whoever. 
But, I mean, it's every one of them that's saying the exact same thing. The only people that aren't saying it are the politicians, the elitist, that don't care. They just don't care. They just want to control everything, and that's all that matters to them, no matter what the cost is to the American people and to our children and grandchildren, obviously, because of the debt alone and what they're letting come into the country, letting people. It's terrible. Um, In just a couple minutes, my guest is going to be joining me, Mr. Hans von Spakovsky. He's a senior legal fellow and manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, He's been at the Department of Justice. He's a former commissioner on the Federal Election Commission. He's been involved in election in the election process for over 30 years. Um, he served as a county election official administrating, administrating um, elections in both Georgia and Virginia. And he's actually written a really good new book on elections. <laughs> I think it's going to open some eyes for sure. Just a quick reminder, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. The latest uh, white paper there is complimentary inflation in your retirement. Are you prepared for rising cost? Just go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, click that tab, and it's a complimentary download to your email. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And of course, as a podcast. Just go to Apple uh, Apple Podcast and uh, search your financial editor, and uh, you can find uh, this program as well as any of our recent programs. Last week, uh, Dr. Ben Carson was on. Um, prior to that, we had uh, Greg Zucker, Zuckerman from the Wall Street Journal, uh, and on and on. So a lot of really good conversations, excellent topics. And, of course, getting the uh, the facts out and uh, helping people be informed and educated. Just like today, another really good program teed up for you. Uh, my guest, Mr. Hans von Spakowski, is joining me. He is a senior legal fellow and manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative at the Heritage Foundation. He's been involved in the election process for three decades. He served on a presidential advisory commission on election integrity, and he was a former commissioner on the Federal Election Commission, as well as uh, working at the uh, Department of Justice enforcing uh, voting rights laws and, 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 and things of that nature. So, you know, one of the things we always have to re- uh, um, take into consideration is the importance of honest elections. Uh, because they really have serious impacts and repercussions. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Hans and another gentleman named John Fund have written an excellent book called Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. And we'll be talking about that uh, and how you can get it. Good morning, Hans. 
Chris, uh, good morning to you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. And I'm sure people recognize the name and they've seen you on uh, on uh, news uh, cast on TV and, and read your stuff. And we're friends with the Heritage Foundation and all the great work that's done over there. So it's great to have you on. And um, I guess I'll just start. You know, this is something that kind of seemed to be swept under the rug Last year, there was a lot of concern about uh, the irregularities when it came to voting. Just give us your overall thought before we get into the weeds a little bit about what happened during the 2020 elections. Well, that's part of what this book is about, although we also talk about the long term problems and trends in this area. Look, what happened last year, unfortunately, was that. Folks on the progressive left used COVID as a, an excuse and justification for making all these bad changes in the rules governing our elections that they've been trying to get in place for years. You know, they, they use COVID as an excuse to, for example, say that states shouldn't be able to um, apply their voter ID laws, uh, that states shouldn't be able to um, enforce their requirement that on absentee ballots uh, you have to have a witness signature to, to verify that, you know, you, the voter, really fill it out. I mean, it's one thing after another like that. And uh, in essence, all of those rules they were trying to get changed and un- unfortunately successfully changed in many states are rules that were put in place to safeguard the integrity of the election process. To, for example, make sure that the person showing up to vote is really is really that person. And all of that uh, raise a lot of questions about the elections. Um, you know, similarly, remember, we had this big issue. Uh, again, I think this was unethical. I think it was a clear conflict of interest. Of You know, you had Mark Zuckerberg uh, and several other liberal uh, donors who poured $450 million, not into Democratic campaigns. No, they short-circuited um, federal campaign finance laws by instead granting money to state and local election officials and agencies supposedly to help them run the elections. But if you look at their distribution of the, the money, it overwhelmingly went to liberal, big, urban, Democratic districts. And in essence, what they did is they moved the get-out-the-vote campaign of the Democratic Party and Democratic candidates into official government offices using the resources of those government offices to turn out their vote. Like I said, highly to me unethical and a real conflict of interest. Yeah, I I agree with you. And again, where a lot of the skepticism and doubt occurred just in those areas, like you said, that were funded by Zuckerberg and others uh, after their fancy dinner meetings in private. And then we learned, like you said, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars uh, went to those areas, Milwaukee, whatever, you know, different areas. So highly, highly suspect, um, if not just more so, like in my mind, for sure. So it takes me back. I go back to, OK, the the left and the progressives have wanted to change the Electoral College. It's been a, a just a, an area of pure frustration for them. They don't think that it's fair because, you know, obviously they don't win every time. So they start with the governors. Uh, I'm from Maryland, grew up in Maryland. So unfortunately, Martin O'Malley, I think, was the first goofball to sign on to this where they were going to try to do away with the Electoral College. I think they started realizing that wasn't going to happen. And what happens, though? The virus. 
and they have this perfect segue into do these uh, very damaging things. Yeah, and they're and they're trying to make those changes permanent. I mean, that's why, for example, um, there's been this huge fight in Congress this year over several election bills, the most prominent of one is H.R. 1, and we talk about this in the book. H.R. 1, you know, was the very first bill that Nancy Pelosi introduced in the House. That tells you how important Democrats think it is. H.R. Uh, 1 is this 900-page monstrosity of a bill that, in essence, would be a federal takeover of the administration of elections. In other words, uh, folks in Maryland would no longer uh, be establishing what the rules are for elections in Maryland. Instead, this federal legislation would do it. And it has all kinds of bad provisions in it. For example, it, it voids all state voter ID laws. No state would be allowed to ask anyone for an ID when they vote. Um, similarly, it uh, wipes out um, witness signature requirements on absentee ballots and says, no, you can't uh, require that. At the same time, <laughs> Chris, it requires states to put in same-day voter registration. Now, think about what happens when you combine the fact that they're saying you have to allow somebody to walk into a polling place on Election Day, register, and immediately vote. Combine that with the fact that they say you can't ask them for an ID. That is an invitation to election fraud, and that bill is just filled with bad provisions like that. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, that was the, uh, you know, their baby right out of the gate when they realized that they might be able to make this happen. Uh, Unfortunately, people like you and others have shined a light on that. Now, let me ask you. Um, how well have different state legislatures across the country done uh, so far in trying to fix a lot of the things that we saw go wrong in 2020? Uh, A number of states acted. um, You you know, I know last year's election was frustrating for a lot of folks and a lot of questions were raised, but one of the good things to come out of that election is it finally made a lot of state legislators realize, you know, we really do have problems, and we need to try to fix them. And so you saw at the beginning of this year, states like Florida, Georgia, Texas, uh, even Arizona, passed significant um, election reform bills that improved their systems. Now, Chris, you, you know there was a lot of unfair criticism heaped on those states. Um, Georgia's bill was called Jim Crow Two by Joe Biden. You know, Major League Baseball removed their their all-star game from Georgia. But if you actually read the bills, the claims were made against them were foolish. And I'll tell you, for example, two things that Georgia and Texas did, which are smart and aren't going to keep anybody from voting, is, look, both states uh, now for several years have had pretty good voter ID laws in place. But the problem with their voter ID laws were they only applied in-person voting. And so both states have changed the law to extend their voter ID requirement to absentee or mail-in ballots. And they still they make it very easy for folks to comply uh, with it. Nobody is going to be kept from voting. That is, nobody legitimate is going to be kept from voting. Um, and yet that's what they were criticized for, because they now say you, you, you've got to uh, show some kind of form of ID when you vote, whether it's in person or by mail.
Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's just to most people, that's common sense. The whole thing. Well, there's it not is. just a uh, Kinko's down the street for everybody, which, of course, was hilarious in its own light because Kinko's has been gone for decades. But anyway, uh, it just I mean, <laughs> I know when I go to vote, I pull my license out and I'm always told we don't need that. And just to satisfy myself, I always say, well, you should. You know, so that, you know, I'm the right person. That's me on the picture. This is a valid license, um, you know, or whatever the case might be. It just uh, it doesn't make sense that we don't uh, follow that that rule. The name of the book, folks, is Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Uh, it is written by my guest, Mr. Hans von Spassky, and also uh, John Fun. Uh, they're they're co-authors in this. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll tell you uh, the easiest and best way to order this book. Very educational. Um, Very, very. And and something I'm going to share with you on this other side that really impressed me about this book. Stay tuned. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And also as a podcast, just go to uh, Apple Podcast and look up the Your Financial Editor program. And you'll get uh, the, the, the great talks that we have, just like today, talking with uh, Mr. Hans von Spassky. And, and uh, he wrote, uh, uh, co-wrote a great book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Um, Hans, what's the best way to get your book? Uh, you can order it off of both Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble. They've got it available. It actually came out um, uh, on Election Day this year, the one-year anniversary of last year's election, which we thought would be uh, kind of appropriate for that. Yeah, yeah, excellent, and congratulations. What a good book it is. And the reason I was making that comment before that quick break, folks, is that you know this is a very well-written, you can tell, very researched um, book. And I loved it when I got back to page 241, the notes, because every chapter has uh, notes and is sourced in multiple, multiple ways. Um, and that way, you know, you know that you can, if you're one of those uh, nerds that really likes to follow up and double cross check things, you can. So instead of all the nonsense flying around out there, with these uh, pundits and they want to give their commentary uh, on elections and and what they think is right or what they want you to believe is right. Uh, This is a really good book that's full of uh, solid information that I think you would uh, benefit from. So, again, it's Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. And, uh, and you know, go to Amazon or wherever you need to to find this book. It's, it's, it's really a good read. So, Hans, one of the thing that, things that was frustrating uh, to me and probably a lot of people is you had a lot of states out there, well, and even the Supreme Court, that wouldn't hear arguments on voter fraud allegations. Why do you think that was? Well, again, that is something we talk about in the book. But I got to tell you, I think it was pure political cowardice. And why do I say that? Um, 
Well, because, uh, look, what, here's what should have happened. You know, you had litigation filed making claims after the election. You had affidavits submitted by voters and others who say they witnessed misbehavior. What should have happened is those cases should have gone to trial. And a, the, a judge should have examined the credibility of the evidence. You know, they then would have made decisions. The evidence was credible. It wasn't credible. And we would have had answers to all the questions everyone has. Instead, all of these judges and all of these cases, the judges dismissed them on procedural grounds. You know, they, they said, oh, folks didn't have standing or, oh, you filed too late. And I think, frankly, it was political cowardice. I, these judges knew that these cases were a political hot potato, that if, in fact, they found this evidence to be credible and that there were problems in the election, the news media would descend on them. Uh, and I think any excuse they could use to get rid of the case without getting to the substance of it, they they used. Bingo. I, I totally agree. I didn't want to ask that as a leading question. But, you know, we talk often on the program uh, about the virus and uh, the uh, the terrible damage it did, obviously, and the loss of life and the uh, illnesses, the uh, tearing apart of families because of jobs that were lost and the crazy amount of overdoses uh, and suicides, et cetera. But it was also 2020 was also a year of burning and destruction and violence and looting. I mean, we watched it. We could see it for real or actually people experienced it, of course, for real. Um, And I just that cowardice, that's a very good word, because that's kind of the way I looked at all of these people that dismissed um, valid concerns because they were afraid that, you know, either them and or where they lived was going to get torched, and um, it, it was really, really hard to watch. Oh, no, I, I agree. But then, look, I, I can understand why ordinary citizens would be worried about this um, because of the kind of – not only the cancel culture we have today, the social media platform harassment and intimidation occurs. But, you know, think about what happened during COVID and last summer when you had – violent protests um, engineered by BLM, Antifa, and others in cities uh, across the country, places like Portland, and law enforcement authorities did nothing about it. The prosecutions, the few that were uh, started when people were arrested, have almost all been dropped. Um, no one wanted to do anything about it, and so I think people were pretty scared uh, to, to, to say anything about all the problems they've seen. Yeah, for sure. Rule of the mob, it's it's very uh, it, – It's. I mean, we have to obviously stand up against that. We can't allow it. Um, and I'm, maybe there's some people wondering why we're talking about – you know, obviously we foc- on, focus on business and finance and things of that nature. But look, folks, it's like I talk about with national security uh, and the problems down at the border – If we don't have national security, forget financial security, forget economic security. You've got to have security. And if we don't have security in our elections and have faith, look, there's been cheating from the very beginning and they'll be cheating to the very end. But it can't be in mass. It can't really be 
uh, something that is taken over, if you will, because then we'll, we will lose the country. And that's not an overstatement. So, Hans, thank you so much for, you know, the the great work that you've done in the past, the 30 years you've been covering elections all the way up till uh, today when we talk about, you know, your new book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Um, and we'll keep uh, track on all of the other work you're doing at the Heritage Foundation and hopefully be able to get you back on at a later date to give us an update on um, hopefully positive changes, not uh, more of these negative issues that, well, uh, you know, you address in your book. Sure. Well, I'm I, happy to do that. Happy to come back anytime. OK, Hans, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, again, folks, the name of the book is Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote by John Fund, F-U-N-D, and Hans von Spankowski. And I do a terrible job pronouncing that last name. I apologize. But it's S-P-A-K-O-V-S-K-Y. And um, you can also learn about Hans. Just go to the uh, heritage.org, uh, as uh, you do with many of the fine people that we've had on the program before. And you can read. I mean, he's writing material on this kind of stuff all the time. So it's it's very, very current. But again, this is this book is a great look back at uh, at what what happened last year with the election. Um, you know, it's hard to. To, to stomach a lot of it, but it's also good to be informed and know that we're not going to make that same mistake again as long as we uh, pay attention, you know, to what's going on out there. So uh, check that out. Uh, also, you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Inflation and your retirement. Are you prepared for rising cost? We know all the things that we're dealing with with inflation, the higher cost for food and energy and clothing and electronics and vehicles and rent, all that. So whenever we do financial plans and retirement plans, we always take inflation into consideration. Now it's a great time, you know, because it's it's such a uh, it's talked about so much because it's hurting and impacting so many people. So if you go to murrayfinancialgroup.com right there on the home page, uh, you click on the button. It's an instant complimentary download to your uh, email, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, that does it for us, and we'll uh, talk with you on the Morning News Express Monday through Friday, 550, 650, 750. Uh, those are live conversations with uh, my friends uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. And uh, then we'll uh, talk to you on the next year financial editor program right back here. So have a great rest of the weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock. 